Hey everybody, welcome back to the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, March 22nd, Year of Our Lord 2021. And this is going to be episode number 33. Um, in the past, if you've been listening, you know I, I did like season one, season two. Um, but I thought that didn't make sense because it, it, it's just kind of... Silly to say season two when it's just a continual progression of episodes. So instead of do, saying season, like this wouldn't want to have been season two, episode 12. Um, I, I did 21 episodes in, in last year. Um, so 21 and 12 puts us at 33. I, I think I'm going to just start uh, categorizing them that way. Um, so if you're used to me saying season two, that's why I'm not doing it anymore. I just want to count them, count the episodes. Um normally so so this would be episode number 33 um so um had a few things on my mind this last uh week here and um i wrote down something and i can't recall what my initial thoughts on it were i wrote down serious and sober minded and i don't know what it is that led to that thought i will tell you this much um, the small group that I gather with, uh, a lot of our focus over the last several years has been trying to, um, watch our speech to, to be, to be more, um, serious and, and, um, wholesome and, and sober in our speech because, uh, like a lot of times, you know, friends do, we get around each other and we just start joking around. And, um, a lot of our jokes are sarcastic and, and we pick on each other. And it just seems like every time we get into that kind of mindset, it really just snowballs and everybody, like if one person starts doing that type of behavior, it just builds until everybody is. And all of a sudden, uh, there's, there's really no spiritual conversation going on anymore. And, um, you're just in this jovial, um, I think doesn't the scriptures call it reveling? I think that's what the word revel means, and it looks, and that's that's a a, a sinful thing, um, to just be in that. Uh, it's not party type atmosphere because we're you know we're not drinking or doing drugs or, or you know doing uh, perverse things or whatever you know whatever the lost world does, um, but the the speech just the the joking around and and goofing around and nitpicking and sarcasm it certainly resembles the world um you know like i say it doesn't go as far as the world there's not outright sin involved but just that that type of language it's unwholesome and so a lot of times uh you know my my small group we've all shared that uh when we leave fellowship uh we're often grieved um, because our, our, our fellowship started in purity in a, in a sense, it started, uh, with real, uh, just, you know, we'd spend, we would literally get together on, on Saturday mornings for Bible study. And then we'd be in fellowship till like three, four in the morning. Um, and, and most, if not, you know, all, or at least a very large portion of our conversation was godly, wholesome things. We were just in a spiritual mindset all the time, just, you know, in love with the Lord and sharing our love for the Lord with each other. And then at some point in time, we kind of deviated from that and started digressing into to just joking around type stuff. 
And um, so we've always, you know, each and every one of us has been very aware of this. And we've tried to curtail it. But like James says, you know, to try to tame the tongue, it's, it's all, you know, impossible. If you can control your tongue, you're a perfect man, James says. Uh, something like that. But so so this idea of being serious and sober-minded is always on our heart because when when you've experienced that that spiritual life in the beginning stages, when you leave from fellowship, you're so refreshed. You're you're just it feels so good, and, and like you don't want to leave each other because you're just you're 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 in a sense feeding off of each other's uh, uh, glory. You know, glory in the Lord. And we're, we're sharing that glory with each other. And so, like, it's just beautiful. Um, and when you digress from that into just a common friendship where you're just goofing around and having fun, and we've often said, you know, we're no better than lost people. We're not, you know, it. you leave and it just feels so defeating. You, you leave from, from gathering together and you're like, you know, where was the Lord in that? Where, where was growth? Where was edifying? And for me, it's really awkward. Like, I notice it immediately. As soon as I get in my car to go home, I immediately start regretting the conversations and, and behaviors that we've had. And I think over the last uh, couple, uh, several months here, uh, we've really been maturing in our speech. Uh, there's been really concentrated effort um, by several of us uh, to stop with the sarcasm and to stop with the bickering and to really just uh, be humble and caring to one another and hear each other out and, and love one another. So, so we are taking steps towards that, which, which is actually just the grace of God, because it's, it's miraculous, you know, how it, there's, a, you try all these steps to control your tongue and it doesn't work. And then one day the Lord's just got you doing it. You don't know how it happened. It was just the grace of the Lord. But it's, the thing is, it's, it's super, super easy to fall back into bad behaviors. And I've often described it, and I might have described it here on the podcast, as um, to to run the race uh, of being spirit-minded um, in, in a group setting and in your personal life. It's like you're rowing against the tide. The, the tide of life is carrying everyone towards the pit of hell. Uh, that's, that's where we have justly been born into. Our sin has put us into this predicament. And so we're born naturally flowing on that wide and broad road to destruction. We're flowing down the river that leads to destruction. And it takes no effort. Um, you know, it, and, and we're dead corpses, so of course we just go with the flow. Uh, but there, to, to, to go with the flow of life is effortless. All you have to do is not do anything. You know, to, to not strive. And you will go that way. To fight against the current is what what we're doing in our path of sanctification, our path of salvation. We've been turned around, which is what repentance is, to no longer go with the flow. Now we're fighting against the current. And so that takes constant striving, constant rowing. If you're rowing against a current, the moment you stop rowing, you start flowing back down again. Um, you know, we've put our hands to the plow. There is no going back. We must strive and fight and run. Um, like we're striving for a crown, you know, we, we, we run this race hard. And so that, that, that applies everywhere that applies in our, in our, in our personal walks that applies in, in, in everything in, in, in all the fat, uh, all the details of spirituality, it, it, it applies. And in this sense, I'm talking about fellowship with, with a group. I'm not talking just, 
uh, regular Bible study or, or your, your, you know, Sunday church gathering, um, this small group that I'm part of, you know, we've really developed a family type atmosphere where we are so intimately intertwined. You know, we, 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 we are each other's, uh, family, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, like an ax church in a sense, I would think. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really know what the ax church looked like, but, um, you know, we, we, there's just an intimacy there that goes beyond church, that goes beyond just a Bible study. And so when we're together, like I say, it's so e it's natural and easy. If you don't watch your tongue constantly, you will find yourself making an off-color joke or um, saying something uh, bitter or sarcastic or offensive. And then somebody's going to return fire um, and then that'll cause you to read. And then, it, like I say, it just snowballs. And all of a sudden, you're right back into that flow of life instead of striving against the current to be sober and serious-minded. And so um, it's really noticeable to me when I fail because of the progress we've made. Uh, because over the last several months, there has been progress, and it's been noticeable in my life. To, to I've witnessed it. I've seen it. And um, I've been striving for it. So when I fail in it, it's very obvious. And so I think that's probably why I wrote down serious and sober-minded. Um, there, there's just a, uh, it's like, it, it, like I say, it's, it's so easy and there's a tendency of the flesh to fall back into those old patterns of life. And I want desperately to be wholesome in my speech. I want to build my brothers up. I want to encourage them. I want to refresh them. Um, you know, as I walk in the spirit, I want to bring that into my group and have them taste of that glory too, to share in that glory with me. And anytime you step into the flesh, you detract from that, you take from that. Um, so it's just a, a striving to be serious and sober-minded, which, which really, really, really comes uh, from being slow to speak, from biting your tongue. You know, you, you hear something that you think, oh, I could say something really funny here. Or you hear something that causes a slight offense and you think, oh man, I, you know, that was a jerk thing to say. I'm going to say something back. Or, you know, that, that hits your heart and... You have to learn um, to not speak, to hold that, to play it out in your heart. You know, think it, to say, you know, if I say this, nothing good's going to come of this. There's no benefit in this. So to hold your tongue, a lot of times for me, it's not even thinking it through. It's just biting my tongue until it passes. Like I'll get offended at something that uh, a brother or sister says. I'll, I'll get um, hurt. I'll feel attacked by them. And... Um, which I think is what offense is, um, you feel attacked. And so your natural inclination, the flesh inclination, is to get defensive and to fire back. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll get that. I'll get the hurt. I'll get the, the offense or whatever it is. And I'll want to defend myself. I'll want to defend my position. I want to make sure that everybody else knows I'm in the right here, that I've been wronged. And, and that kind of just burns in your heart. It's a, it's a wickedness that just wants to bubble out out of your tongue. And what I found is that if I can just remain silent for a time, um, sometimes it's just a few minutes, sometimes it dwells longer, but if I can just keep my tongue and remain silent, it will pass eventually, you know? And and so, like I say, it's not even really thinking it through. It's, it's just controlling the tongue, which I think is what temperance is, self-controlled, right? 
Um, so the next step then would be to be to conquer it with love and forgiveness. But, but sometimes when that initial barb hits you, you, you know, you really just can't think of anything but the offense that's occurred. Um, so I, like I say, I, I don't know exactly why I wrote down serious and sober minded, but I think that's probably the case. I gather with my group every Friday night, every Saturday night. I'm sure I, I said something foolish or I regretted uh, my behavior. And so I was just like, you know, I need to get back on this serious, sober-minded track. That doesn't mean we don't have fun. That doesn't mean we don't joke around. It's just knowing the limits. It's knowing, okay, this joke is approaching, you know, the jovial behavior is approaching the line. We should not cross this line. Um, and, 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 um, I don't want to say something mean spirited or bitter that's hidden behind a joke. So, um, anyways, I, I guess maybe that's what I was thinking of with serious and sober minded. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, um, I try to, I've tried to make it a habit here over the last few years, um, to read heretical books. Uh, the reason being is, uh, you'll often hear people talking about somebody being a false teacher or a heretic. And just based off of what you're hearing from other people, you kind of go with it. You know, like people say, uh, you know, well, they'll call out T.D. Jakes, or they'll call out Joyce Meyer, or they'll call out Paula White, or they'll, they'll call out Creflo Dollar, or, or any number of these false teachers. And um, so then, you know, you know you're getting this from a solid biblical source. These, you know, these are Christians you trust that show the fruit of the Spirit, that have good wisdom, good intellect, good doctrine, good theology. So if they're saying it, you know, you accept it at face value. Okay, they they must know what they're talking about. And and you see clips on TV and you think, yeah, that guy, that's not a good guy. You know, that's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so then you'll you'll run across some people that are listening to these types of people and you want to warn them. Um, but I thought to myself, you know, let's say I were to call out one of these heretics and then somebody says, okay, what, what heresies are they teaching? And I'm left going, um, well, you know, so-and-so said this, you know, a lot of times you, you might have nothing because you don't know yourself or you just might have hearsay. Do you know for yourself what these people teach? And so that was kind of my mindset. And so I started thinking, you know, I'll watch some videos of theirs. I'll catch their, I'll, I'll catch them in their own words. You know, I want to hear from their own lips, the heresies. I want to, I want to hear from their own lips, the false teaching. So that if I warn somebody, I can say, Hey, TD Jake says this, this, and this, and this is anti-biblical. This is, this is what the Bible says. And he's teaching something that goes against that. He's a false teacher. Um, so I want to be able to state specifics. And in addition to the uh, videos that I watch, I thought, well, you know, they're probably going to really reveal themselves in their books. And so um, I've gathered a, a small uh, little section on my bookshelf, uh, false teachers or, or, you know, people that have been called out as being false teachers. And so my habit is, you know, one out of every five books or so that I read you know, I, I want to read one of these false teachers. I, I, I kind of, I, I organize everything in my life, including my reading habits. And so I, I read, you know, two solid theological books, and then I'll read some fiction, and then I'll read two more solid theological books, and then I'll work in one of these heresies. And then I repeat that habit. 
Um, and so it came time uh, for me to read one of these heretical books. And I thought, well, let's look into Osteen um, because I had been uh, doing some uh, reaction videos uh, to his teaching as well. And so I got his book. It's really just kind of like a, a 31. It's written kind of devotional style. It's called I Declare. Excuse me. And um, it's a real simple, fast read written in big font. 175 pages. I read it in two days. It was just real, real simple. And, and I think I kind of just sped it up because I just wanted to get it over with and get it done with. Um, but I'm glad I did read it because I was able to spot some things now that I can, I can bring to other people's attention. Um, number one is that it's incredibly blasphemous, um, in the sense that, um, you know, he, he declares things, you know, I declare this over my life. I have this, like he, the name it and claim it, speaking things into existence as if he has some sort of, you know, supernatural power uh, to to create with his lips. To create, it's really witchcraft. This idea that that um, this new age idea that you can speak your own reality, and so it's blasphemy because the Lord is the only one that has that power. He speaks and things are done. We don't have that power. Um, and so there's really that name it and claim it false idea comes from the idea that we are little gods, so to speak. We're created in his image. We're born again by his spirit. And so they try to apply the um, deity attributes to us, um, which is greatly erroneous. Um, and, and like I say, blasphemous and, and satanic. It's, it's wicked. It's witchcraft. We don't have the ability to speak things into existence. Um, we pray for his will to be done, you know? So, um, that was really the first thing I noticed is that it's just really, really blasphemous. The, this idea, this, this given himself and, and proclaiming to other people that they have this godlike power, um, to speak, um, either negatively or positively over their lives and, and actually create from their speech. Um, so that was one wickedness that I had seen. And, and that one was kind of known. I think all these were kind of known, um, which just goes to show that the, the, the secondhand knowledge that I was getting from people was accurate because I, I came into this and, and, and I come out of it, um, knowing for sure, but everything I heard was true. Um, so the second thing I really noticed about this is that his entire uh, ministry is very, very man-centered. It's all about you. It's all about, you know, your benefit. It's all about uh, your, your gain, your prosperity, your health. Um, you know, I am an achiever. I am prosperous. I am all this nonsense. Um, just a... a, a, a very selfish, uh, man-centered theology, if you can even call it theology. So that was just really um, noticeable in this book, too. It's just um, very grievous. And then the other thing, uh, the one that kind of, the new aspect that I got of it is the covetousness in it. And I'm, I'm talking about, there's actually two different kinds of covetousness that come from what he's trying to teach. And one of them is obvious in that, that we, we glean and understand just from if you've seen any clip of him or you've seen him on TV, you understand that uh, the whole health and wealth prosperity gospel, so to speak, is a very covetous um, idea. It's all about gain. It's all about 
um, I ought to be rich, I ought to be healthy, um, and, and, you know, driving around in a nice car with a big house and a nice suit, um, and, and these false teachers, they, you, like, it's always kind of surprising to me that, that everybody doesn't see this, because anytime you, like, I challenge you to just go on and turn on any one of the Christian channels, and probably within an hour, you're going to hear somebody talking about tithing, they're just all about the money. It's it, it you know, I don't watch that crap, but when I have turned it on, I think every single time the message has been about tithing. Sow a seed into the ministry. Give your 10% to us. Sow a seed of a thousand dollars, you know, and you'll receive threefold and blah blah blah. So they 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 misinterpret what it is to sow a seed. Uh they misapply tithing. Um they they turn um well, the scriptures say they make a profit out of people's souls and they, they, they presume that gain is godliness and they're just greedy to fill their bellies. So that part of it is very obvious. You, like you could just see that even the lost world knows that. And, and they mock God because of that. They blasphemy God because of that. They say, oh, these guys are just hustlers, swindlers, just looking for a dollar, you know, and, and it's just a, a scheme and, and blah, blah, blah. So they, they, they do damage in the eyes of the lost world, but, you know, it's, it's very obvious, you know, to see that in them, that they, they themselves are very covet, coveting, covetous. Um, the part that surprised me is, um, as you read through Osteen, his so-called teaching method, um, he's a, he's kind of like a motivational speaker. He'll present an idea and then he tells a story to back that idea up. He like personalizes these stories about people that he knows, or maybe he's just making them up. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't give a good example, but let's, you know, declare over yourself financial victory and, and strive for it. And then I knew a man once who, you know, was looking for a loan and couldn't get a loan from the bank. And, but he didn't give up, you know, he declared financial victory over his life and, and he, uh, persevered in his seeking and and now he owns a second business and he's got a large car and a nice house and his kids are going to a good college blah 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 you know stuff like that um he, you know, he does a much better job of painting his pictures than i just did but uh what i noticed is as you're reading this if you're not if it like if you don't have biblical discernment if you're coming into this blind which a lot of people are they come into joel osteen's teaching uh, without any biblical knowledge, without any discernment, and so they get trapped in this nonsense. Um, but just reading it, you start to notice your flesh starts to crave the things that he's describing. You know, he's he's describing all these positive, great things happening to people, and all of a sudden you find your heart going, man, I sure would like that, you know. I wish I, I had all my bills paid. I wish I was out of debt. You know, I, w I wish I had that. I wish I had a good job. I wish I had my own business. I wish I was healthy. I wish I had, you know, the the nice car and the big house. And I wish I could go on vacation to, to the Bahamas every year and blah, blah, blah. Um, so all of a sudden, you, like, you you start coveting these things that he's talking about. He starts to, to, to paint this picture of worldly success uh, disguising it um, under this idea of godliness, that this is what God wants for you. Um, 
man, it's so devilish now that I think about it. That's the whisper of the devil, you know. Uh, he told Jesus, you can have all the kingdoms of the world, you know. And, and it's what's being presented here in a smaller scale is, you know, look at this and, and paint these pictures of all these people uh, who are blessed and favored, so to speak. And and if you didn't have discernment, if you weren't careful, you, you could very easily start craving what they have, start wanting what they have, and, and then you're trapped in that thinking. Um, so I, I noticed that as I was reading through it, like very early on, I noticed, uh, um, you know, my flesh, I, you know, before reading these things, I pray uh, for for strong discernment, um, anything that's potentially, well, anything I read, really, I make the same prayer, but it's especially urgent when I'm, when I'm reading something I know to be heretical. I pray for strong discernment. I pray for the Lord's protection, that he would protect me from any of these false teachings, any errors, any lies. Um, I pray for understanding and wisdom. Um, I pray that, you know, just to be able to spot the errors and 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 just to be on guard, to be careful. Um, so so that's the heart going into it. But if a person doesn't have that and they're just going into this blind, uh, you could find yourself coveting quite a bit. And and that's the other thing he does too, is he takes the spiritual aspects of our faith, uh, the this the victories, the conquering, the favor of the Lord the blessings of the Lord. These are all spiritual realities. These are things we get in the inner man as we're filled with satisfaction and joy and contentment and peace and love and grace and mercy. All these great spiritual blessings, um, he perverts them into earthly things. He, he, turns, he turns the focus from that spiritual things in, into earthly things where the blessings become, um, a, you know, financial stability and, and a good job and a nice car and a good health. And, and that kind of stuff is irrelevant. That's not what a blessing is. Those things can be a curse. You know, uh, the pursuit of money, it says in Timothy, uh, many have pierced themselves through with many sorrows and the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, so, so you know, to desire gain, to desire possessions, um, is is a is the root of all evil. Um, the spiritual blessings are, you know, to be content in all situations. It doesn't matter whether we have or have not. It doesn't matter if we have. We're looking for ways to use it to to glorify the Lord, to increase our spiritual blessings. Um, you know, we're we're not looking to to live the good life now. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on externally. It doesn't matter if I'm healthy or sick. It doesn't matter if I'm uh, able to walk or I'm, I'm handicapped. That's irrelevant. All those things are irrelevant in the light of spiritual blessing. We want what is going to bring us spiritual blessings, what is going to increase our faith and increase our joy in the Lord. And that might come through physical hardships. You know, the people who are poor, um, you know, uh, and, and, and needy, um, are going to appreciate, um, the grace of the Lord. They're going to, to gravitate, you know, a person who is sick or, or injured is going to know the comfort of the Lord. So a lot of our spiritual blessings come through physical hardships. And, and, um, so you, to, to pray or to desire financial success, just shows a, a, the wrong heart. It's a perverse heart. Like, Lord, what is going to make me more holy? 
That is what I would desire. What is going to um, cause me to increase in righteousness and, and what is going to, you know, give me these spirit, if it requires cancer um, for me to walk closer with God, then our prayer ought to be to have cancer, not to be cured from cancer. Or, 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 you know, you get cancer and you pray for wisdom. Lord, what is the purpose of this? You know, and if it's to draw you nearer to him, then you wouldn't want to be separated from it. You know, so, so it's just a perversion of the blessings of God uh, to, to take what is a spiritual reality and place it on these physical things. Um, so I was really glad that I read that book because it, it did just, you know, the whole declare thing is utterly blasphemous. The idea that we have the ability to speak our own reality, to speak things into existence, that's, that's blasphemy. It's taking the power of God. It's witchcraft. Trying to trying to lay out your own future, your own you know, instead of submitting yourself to the designs and counsel of God, and accepting your lot in life and being content, um, it's very man centered. It's all about you. It's all about you know what is best for you, and it creates covetousness in you. It 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 spurs up this greed and and desire uh, for for earthly things. Uh, so very dangerous, um, and I mean, the guy's a wolf, you know, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, and uh, he's deceived himself, you know, he buys into this crap, and, and the devil has given him riches, given him a kingdom, so that he thinks what, you know, he's, he thinks that he's on the right path, because he's seeing results, uh, but it's a trap, it's an illusion, it's a snare. Um, so anyways, I got a couple other things to talk about, but we're coming up on the break here. Um, so stick with me and uh, I'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. Uh, this is episode 33. And so I was just talking about the uh, the Joel Osteen book that I just finished reading um, called I Declare and uh, just, you know, spotting the false teaching that the error, you know, the Lord told us very specifically um, in Timothy and I think elsewhere, but specifically in Timothy, uh, that these false teachers would be money hungry, that that it would be about greed and feeding their own bellies. And, and so that's so blatantly obvious. I mean, when, when you turn on your TV and you go to one of them Christian channels, you know, it's, it's just all about the money. It's fancy suits and big cars and gain and, and filling a packed stadium full of people and everybody dressed to the nines and, 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 you know, it's just, it's so obviously greed. Um, and, and if you listen long, they're eventually going to give you their pitch. It's a sales pitch. You know, it's a, it's a pyramid scheme. Give to us and you'll get blessings. And so he's getting rich at the top of this pyramid, living off uh, 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 the, the hopes and dreams of widows and, and poor people. Um, and they're not going to get, you know, they're just going to keep giving into his ministry. He's getting rich. And so he's, he's blinded thinking, yeah, look how great my theology is. You know, I talk about, you know, if you believe it and, 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 and declare it, it'll happen. And look at me, I'm rich. You know, I got all this stuff. Um, so it's it just a, a wicked false teaching that uh, the Lord warned us about. 
So it's, it's, it shouldn't be a surprise to see it. This, the surprising part is how many people fall for it. I mean, these guys got packed stadiums. And it's like, I have to assume that, like, why would you go to church unless you have some sort of spiritual hunger? So there's a hope that there's people seeking the Lord, but they're just um, trapped, blinded. I don't know. It's, it's always just kind of sad and stunning to see how many people fall into this kind of garbage. But anyways, on a positive note... Um, and this is an answer to prayer too, that, that has got me super excited here. Um, I've been praying about this, uh, dry spell in, in, in reading that I've been going through where I just, I feel like it's a task to read the scriptures and I'm not getting the same kind of joy, uh, that I had gotten for years. I'm not getting the same, uh, excitement and enlightenment. Um, it just feels, um, uh, habitual. And, and necessary to read. And so I don't have a clue where I got the idea, but it popped into my head. I was like, hey, um, I know um, quite a bit about certain books of the Bible because I've spent a lot of time because I just enjoyed these. And, and early on in my faith, you know, just I would sit and study them, not just read them, study them out. You know, line upon line, figuring out what each word means, looking things up in a strong concordance, um, you know, comparing scripture with scripture, tying it all together, meditating over the word. And so I really developed um, uh, good reading habits early on, but I also um, just found uh, a lot of treasure in certain books, spent a lot of time in certain books of the Bible. And so it occurred to me that, it, it, I mean, it's always occurred to me, but it just kind of crystallized here in the last few days. There's some books that I haven't spent a lot of time in. Um, and when I did, I just kind of read through them instead of studying through them, mostly in the minor prophets. Um, I would, you know, I've, I've read through the Old Testament, you know, in, in probably 25 times um, in, in, in my spiritual walk here. I, I don't know, maybe it's that many, maybe it's more. Um, but the point is I've, I've read through the minor prophets quite a bit, but I've never really sat and studied them. Um, I've always just kind of been intimidated by them because it's, it's, they use a lot of old time slang. They use, you know, they're taught, they use colloquialisms and sayings from their time. And it's like, what in the heck did they mean by that? Uh, that adds complexity to it. Um, it also mentions a lot of different cities and areas, geographical areas, and kings and names and, and stuff like that. And it's like, man, I don't really know the context here. I don't know this area. I don't know which cities he's referring to. I don't know the layout. I don't know really what time frame, what's occurring in the world. It's hard for me to get a, 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 a historical, geographical context of what's occurring here. Um who he's talking to, who he's making his proclamations to. So that was the second intimidating part of it. Uh, so uh, again, first the old sayings and, and things that I, I don't know what they mean, um, to the, the historical, geographical, um, social uh, context has always been intimidating. And then the third point, a lot of times prophe prophecies are confusing. Because um, a lot of times, at, at least to me, it seems like they're prophesying about something. Like, let's say they're prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem. And then like mid-sentence, mid-thought, 
they'll switch to a prophecy about the end times uh, for a verse or two or three, and then go right back to prophesying about Jerusalem with no explanation of the switch. And so the prophecies themselves are perplexing. And so I think because of those three things, I've often, and, and because I've really, I, 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 I grew up um, with the mindset that the Old Testament was for pre-Jesus time, we're living in a New Testament area, so the New Testament ought to be our focus. So those four things really kind of hindered me and prevented me from studying out a lot of these Old Testament books. Um, like I say, I would just read through them because I knew I need to read through these. I need to know. There, there's, um, and plus it was exciting and joyous. Like when, when, when you're, especially when you're first into the faith and you're new and fresh into this, every word of God is a joy. Every word of God is exciting. Um, so I want to read it all. Um, Leviticus, you know, is exciting. <laughs> Numbers is exciting. It's like there's gold here, there's jewels here. I want to, I want to read it. I want to know it. I want to see it. And so, um, but I just got in that habit of, you know, each year I would just read through it and and not really study it. My studying would come, you know, in the Proverbs, in the Book of Romans, in the Book of Ephesians, in the Book of Galatians, things like that. That's where the, the or in the Gospels. That that's where the studying came in. So I thought to myself, I wonder if um, what it would look like if I took the 66 books of the Bible and I, I, I put them in numerical order of books uh, that I'm most familiar with. Not, not, that I'm, uh, not books that I like the most, not books that I can quote the most, um, but most familiar with, like in a percentage sense, like, it, you know, I'm familiar with the vast majority of the Proverbs, you know, so that got number one on my list. And, you know, I know a lot of Romans and Ephesians, so those are high on the list. And then I just worked my way through um, 1 through 66. And, you know, the last, like probably from like 45 on, well, from 50 on maybe, it gets hard to differentiate between... Like, do I really know more about uh, Malachi than I do about Zechariah? Probably not. So a lot of that was just kind of guessing. You know, I would, I, as I was writing it out, I think, do I know any verses from Malachi? And I'd be like, yeah, I do. And then, do I know any from Zechariah? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, which one do I know more? You know, I might know, I got Zechariah 12. I got a few there that I like. And I, Malachi, you know. Uh, maybe just a, a one or two. So Zechariah goes higher on the list than, than Malachi. But anyways, I got that organized, one through 66. And then I got really excited. I was like, okay, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to really focus in on these books that I don't know much about. I'm going to start at number 66, which for me was Zephaniah. I don't really know anything about Zephaniah. You know, I've read through it a bunch, but I couldn't tell you any of it. Um, so... I thought, and, 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 you know, to my surprise, as I think it through, some of the New Testament books ended up pretty low on the list. Like, I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Peter's letters. Um, so Second Peter is really low on the list. Um, you know, uh, I don't remember what else is uh, lower on that list there. Maybe like uh, Second Thessalonians, maybe, or... I know I've always wanted to know Second Corinthians more, and I don't. But, but anyways, um, I, I got this list going, and I thought, here's what I'm going to do. Um, instead of just daily reading through the Bible like I usually do, I'm just going to focus on this one book for a month. You know, Zephaniah is three chapters. I'm going to take a full month 
every day, all I'm going to read is Zephaniah. And I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to think through it. I went and got this, uh, I got this Zondervan handbook, which I, I don't know how reliable that is. I've heard some bad things about Zondervan. Um, but it gives uh, information, tells it, it gives you a chart, shows you timelines. So I know the time frame that Zephaniah occurred. It gives me um, maps, or, or actually I Googled maps for that time frame and looked at like the different, uh, where the Philistines were, where the Moabites were, um, you know, different cities, their locations. Um, looking up words that I didn't know, like lintels, I didn't know what that meant, or or resting on the lees. There's a phrase used in Zephaniah, resting on the lees. Look that up. So I'm. Uh, uh, who were the 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 Cherithites, or I I don't know how to pronounce things, the Cherithites or whatever they're called. Who were they? Who is this? Uh, the the Mel Melcoms that they're uh, there's some weird Melchiums name in there. So, anyways, I'm slowly developing a process here. What I'm doing, I got a month to focus on Zephaniah. So I I, I grab that Zan Zondervan's handbook and I'm reading. You know what was going on in the world at this time. What's the time frame? First thing I noticed is that you know he lived at the same time as a lot of other prophets. You know he's around during the time of Jeremiah and 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 you know. Uh, I think Daniel towards the end of his life and, and uh, maybe one other one, I can't remember if it was like Ezekiel or somebody else, but it, that was an interesting thought to think, man, there were multiple like big name prophets living at the same time. You know, odds are they knew each other or heard about each other, were familiar with each other. So that was a cool thing to think about. Um, then I get the, the, I've got this book. One of my brothers bought me, uh, called the annals of, um, world history, um, uh, by James Usher. And big, huge book that just uh, has all the old um, uh, chronologies of, of the world's history that just outline uh, from several different old sources what was going on in the world. So, you know, I know that during the time of Zephaniah, the, the, the Greeks were already holding their Olympics, the Olympiads. They were, they were in the 32nd Olympics which is crazy to think about. We still have the Olympics today. So I'm just getting these, you know, and like I say, looking up phrases, looking up locations, getting this idea about what's going on. So that was kind of my first step. My second step is really just reading through, um, just kind of reading one th chapters one through three, reading the whole thing, getting this general peripheral view of what's going on. Okay, you know, he's preaching about judgment against Jerusalem, and there's a remnant within um, so, so you're kind of getting these ideas and then I'm really going to focus in like the thing that's perplexing me is like chapter one. Um, I, it's kind of unfortunate that it has a headline in my Bible that says judgment of, uh, Jerusalem or judgment of Judah or whatever it says. Cause that kind of already gives me a preconceived idea. Cause like when you read chapter one, it's like, man, if you didn't know this was talking about Jerusalem, this sounds like the end times. This sounds like he's talking about end of the world judgment, not the judgment of, of, of Israel or, or Judah or Jerusalem. So it's like, how did they determine, if you were just looking at chapter one, like how was it, that's where my mind's at now. How would you know that this is a prophecy, a prophecy for the destruction of, uh, of Israel, for Judah, for Jerusalem? Um, when it sounds like it's really an end times prophecy of judgment. 
Um, so I'm kind of working through those thoughts and then um, reading Spurgeon's commentaries on it. Um, just, you know, that, working through that. And then I'm also going to be looking at Second Peter just kind of casually. And then each month... I'm going to have a new book that I'm that I'm relatively unfamiliar with and I'm going to study it out. So that's an answer to prayer because I've often talked about how how I'd been getting burned out and and I I felt um dry reading the scriptures. And I was I was grieved because I I didn't want to be like the Jews in the desert complaining about the manna. I want to enjoy my manna. I want to enjoy the bread from heaven. And so this idea um, really just has me excited again to, to study things out and is just kind of fan the flame. And I pray the Lord keeps it going, um, uh, because I'm, I'm super excited and it's, it's just making, uh, my daily reading fun again and enjoyable again. And, and, and I'm praying the Lord will just keep this going. Um, and I can just work through that, that those bottom, you know, probably the bottom 30 need extra work and, and then, even up into the next 36, you know. Uh, but whatever the Lord wills, I'm, I'm excited about it. All right, so uh, the last thing I want to talk about. Um, you know, I probably, yeah, I probably shouldn't talk about it. It's, it's, might not be wise without, without, um, full revelation from the Lord or, or knowing. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, we'll just cut her short here tonight, um, talking about those three issues, but um, excited about my Bible reading. So um, anyways, that's what I got for you guys tonight. As always, I really, really appreciate you listening. I love you, and Lord willing, we'll talk to you next time.